This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, this week's Parsha is Parsha by Yetzay. We're moving through Bereshis. There's a lot of things going on in Parsha by Yetzay. So he left Beersheba and he went to Charan and all the Mepharsh I'm talking about. And when a tzaddik leaves an ear, it definitely, it definitely makes a Rosham. It uh, has a big effect. Okay, now, what happens? So, so the Mepharshim say that he actually, he was on his way to, to Lavan, right, to, to find the Shidduch. He actually passed Hara Maria. He passed where the Kaisal is, the mental, the, the uh, Temple Mount. He passed, they realized that he passed it. This was the place that Avram and Yitzhak used to go to Davin. This is the place that that kid that's Yitzhak happened. This is the place that the base of Midrash is going to be built. So he turned around and he went back because he had passed it. He went back and he, I guess he died my river there, right? Um, let's see if it says here. Rabbeinu Pirish Lush and Tefillah, right? He came back to Davin, right? So, um, because he wanted to Davin in a place that's very holy. So I just heard the Mephoshim say, why is he, and this is really what we're going to talk about tonight, action, action, action. Not thinking, 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 but action. Um, a lot of people think a lot, but they don't get anything done. We're going to talk about the difference between thinking and doing. So, so they ask a question, so he passed Hara Maria, so go to sleep wherever you are, and go back tomorrow morning. And David Chakras there. Why do you have to run back that night? The answer is, you can't put things off. He realized he passed it. He immediately turned and went back. Okay, so what's going on over here? So he lays down, right? He lays down. He takes a bunch of stones, a lot of Kabbalistic writings on these stones. I saw in a safer that they were actually the same stones that we used in the Choshen. A diamond, a ruby, the 12 stones that, he, that were used in the Choshen. And he put it, and he put it um, by, around his head to protect him from the animals. And he laid down, and we know later on that they all became... They all became one stone because each one was saying that they want to be under the head of the tzaddik. Vayacholam, he had a dream. Hine sulam mutzav aratzah. And the bottom of the sulam was on the ground. Okay. That's not weird. All, lad- all ladders stand on the ground. And the head of the ladder was all the way up in Shemayim. Vihine malach elokim elokim and there were angels going up and down. We know there were angels from Chutz. He was leaving Eretz. He was leaving. He was leaving Eretz Yisrael and going into Chutzlar to the Malachim, different Malachim and um, Chutzlar to different Malachim in Eretz Yisrael. Vini Hashem Nitzavolav. Hashem was standing on the top of the ladder. By Yomran, Hashem said to him, "I need Hashem. I am God. Elokei Avram, Avicha, the God of Avram, your father. Elokei Yitzchak, and the God of Yitzchak." The land that you're laying on, the Temple Mount. It's yours. Okay, so all these Arabs that are claiming that it's theirs, the Torah is very clearly that it's not theirs, but it's ours. Now, we're going to stop here for a moment. And the question is, why, we speak about this all the time, why specifically a ladder? If somebody's dreaming, it's not a ladder, Allah doesn't go up on a ladder. Somebody's dreaming, so so the, the things that he sees in his dream represent something. The Gemara Baruchas talks about dreams. There's a whole book about dreams. If you dream about a snake, 
So snake represents parnasa, making a living. The snake bites you, it's a good thing. Because it means that you're going to have a lot of money. If you kill the snake, it means you're going to lose a lot of money. It's tomorrow. So this, what do you mean? What does, snake have, what does the snake have to do with money? It's a symbol. The different things that we dream about, a beer, a deer, or everything that you dream about, a, a, a well, a pitcher, everything that you dream about is a symbol. So the, the sulam, the, the ladder, is a symbol. I don't think, I don't know, but I don't think angels are firemen. I don't think they're climbing up a ladder, right? So, so if, if I was to dream about angels going up and down, um, I would think a road, huge road, a hundred miles wide, and all the angels are going up and down the road. A ramp, stairway to heaven. They wrote a song, right? Stairway to heaven. But they didn't write a song, ladder to heaven. So what's the symbolism of a ladder? Why a sulam? And the answer is, there's many answers. One answer is that a ladder you climb one rung at a time, but steps you take, you step one, one, so I don't understand that answer. Steps you also do one at a time. A ladder your whole body is on. Steps your, it steps your hands are not on. A ladder, you climb a ladder, your hands and your feet are on. But the nicest answer I ever heard is that a ladder is the only thing in the world that whether you're going up or you're going down, you're always looking up. You climb a ladder, you're looking at the top. You go down a ladder, you don't turn around, you fall off. You go down the ladder, you're looking at the top. A ladder, whether you're going up or down, you're always looking at the top. So Kishbaruch showed Yaakov, who was coming from Yeshiva now and going into the real world, and going to deal with Lavan and running and fight and meeting Esau and losing Rachel and losing Yosef and Dina getting molested and going into a really hard life. And Yovinu showed up in Mitzrayim. He looked very old when Paro looked at him. He said, why do you look so old? So he was going into a very hard life. So Hashem said, I need you to look at the ladder because you're not going to always be going up the ladder. It's going to be many times that you're going to come down the ladder. When you come down the ladder, make sure you're looking up because Hashem needs of all of it. At the end of the day, I'm at the top of the ladder in your life. Whether you're going up or down, look up. Don't ever look down. Right? A ladder, if you have a ladder, you have a ladder, you have to lean it on a wall. So you lean it on the wall. Right? Where does the ladder touch the wall? It doesn't go like this, because if it goes like this, it's going to fall. You angle it, and the top of the ladder touches the wall. Right? So, so, so what is the ladder in his dream? What was it standing on? So he said it was on the earth, and the top of the ladder was leaning on what? Hashem. Hashem needs of olive. The top of the ladder was leaning on God. So the whole ladder of life up there, the whole world, right? The ladder, the bottom of the ladder is on the earth. Specifically says that the bottom of the ladder is on the earth. The connection between Shemayim and Aretz is this whole ladder. Everything leans on God. That was the symbolism that Akash Baruch Hu wanted him to see in this, in this dream. What happens? What happens? I said this last night in my share. Hashem promises him a lot of things. And it says the following, Vayikatz Yaakov, Mishnaso, and Yaakov awoke from his sleep. Vayomen, he said, Achem, behold, Yesh Hashem b'makam Wow, I didn't know. God is in this place. V'noichi lo yodati. I didn't know that. Question number one, every kid in kindergarten, ask him, where's Hashem? Hashem is here, Hashem is here, Hashem is everywhere, up, down, all around. I'm not going to sing, I'm not good at singing. Right, right, left. Every kid knows Hashem is everywhere. What does this mean? Whoa, Hashem is in this place. Yaakov, you didn't know Hashem is everywhere? But didn't know? What are you saying? I know you girls learn Chumash every week. Like, how did you deal with this Pasek? It's not insomnia. That's not the reason all of you can't sleep. Because you have questions and you don't have the answers. 
That's for sure the reason. For sure. Right? So all those sleep things, that's not going to help you. You need to take a chumash to bed. Take a chumash to bed, you'll fall asleep right away. You know the famous, very famous story, it's a true story, this, this, people had this, um, this, uh, maid that was working for them. And, um, they were, stuff was stolen from their house. So they were very nervous. So every time a maid would leave, go back to Poland, go back to wherever she was going, the, the woman would, while the woman, while the maid was upstairs, would go through her stuff to make sure that the maid didn't steal anything. One day, this maid is leaving, and she says, you know, I'm, I'm leaving tonight, I'm going back to my, to, to my country. And so, okay, so she's upstairs, and the woman opens up the suitcase, her suitcase to see if she stole anything. And everything's, every, nothing's stolen except her husband's Gemara. This is a Polish lady, she wasn't Jewish. Her husband's Gemara. So, the lady's about to leave, she's like, um, excuse me, but I have to ask you a question. Why would you steal my husband's Gemara? Are you Jewish? Because she, she used her on Shabbos all the time. She goes, no, 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 not Jewish. Why would you take my husband's Gemara? She says, I'll tell you the truth. My husband, back in the country, he does not sleep at all. And we bought medicine, and we tried teas, and he doesn't sleep. I see that the Jewish people have this book that every time your husband opened the book, he fell asleep. So I was thinking that you have a special magic book that puts people to sleep, so I wanted to take it home. It's a very famous story. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't think it is, but it's a cute story. Anyway, so we're talking about dreams. So what happened over here? So uh, watch what happens now. All of a sudden, people are going to be like, oh, here, take a Gemara. But it's true. Lemaisa, the Yetzirah helps you fall asleep. If you want to learn, if you go to learn, he helps you fall asleep. You fall asleep, right? Once they clear the whole thing, you never make it through it. You're gone in the middle of your life. He said, Shema, you didn't say the whole thing, you're gone. So if you want to, if you want to go, that's what you have to do. What you have to do. You have to take out a cipher and start learning. You'll see that you'll fall asleep. My Rabbi was brilliant. Rabbi Gamliel, who was my Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Novich, he's brilliant. This is what he tells every husband and wife that has a problem communicating with each other. They don't have shalom bias. They don't communicate. He tells them all to do the same thing. He says, Friday night, once a week at least. If you do it every night, it's great. Once a week, you take out a, 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 a safer in English, like, like uh, a lesson a day in Hakar Satov, my book, or a lesson a day in Lashon Hara, and you learn with your wife. And, and one Friday night, she reads. She says the, the, and, or if she knows that it, if you want to learn Chumash, learn Chumash, whatever you want, but you have to learn together. He said, you don't have Shalom Bayes if a husband and wife don't learn together. I was like, um, I think I know people who have Shalom Bayes that don't really learn together. He says, no, you have to learn together. I'm like, how do you, you know, like, how do you know it's going to work? He says, it's going to work. So anyway, so, I told one of my Talmudim to do it. And every Friday night they learn together. And my Talmud is very upset. And he said that I should tell my Rebbe that they learn two lines, two lines, and then they start talking. And they never get back to the learning. So I called up Gamliel because he was upset. He said, my wife doesn't learn with me. We're busy talking the whole time. I Gamliel said, you see, it works. <laughs> because when you're learning with your husband, what's your Yetzirah? Yetzirah is to talk. He doesn't want a husband and a wife to learn. He says, make them learn together. He'll make them talk. So the same thing, if you want to go to sleep, you take out a safer, he'll make sure that you don't learn. He'll make sure that you go to sleep. 100%. It works. Anyway, 
So this is very serious business here. What do you mean you don't know there's a God? Every kid knows there's a God. Let's go further. It gets, it gets hard, it gets harder to understand. He goes on, he says the following. By Yira, became scared. What are you scared of? Yaakov Avinu, what are you scared? Avinu wasn't scared of anything. What was he scared of? By Yira, became scared. By Yomi, he said, Wow, this place is awesome. This is the house of God and the gate to Shemayim. What was he scared of? Now comes a question which I I can't yell at the girls, but I surely yelled last night at the boys. There are two things in this week's parsha that are such open, unbelievable questions, and nobody asks it. You can learn Chumash every year, 40 years, 50 years, and like I tell these people, like, what does this mean? They look at me like, I, I never saw that before. Listen to this Pasuk. Vayash came. I'm sorry. But it says, the Pasuk says, Vayikatz Yaakov Mishnasa, right? And Jacob awoke from his sleep. Now in Pasuk Yudches, Vayash came Yaakov Aboker. And Yaakov arose early in the morning. One second. You told me he woke up already. You can't wake up twice unless you went back to sleep. And there's no way he went back to sleep. He's scared. He's saying how holy this place is. He didn't curl up and go back to sleep and wake up again. But according to this, Vayikatz Yaakov, he awoke. Vayash came Yaakov Aboker, and Yaakov got up in the morning. Yaakov already was awake. Vayikatz the heaven, and he took the stone. that was under his head. And he made a monument. So the question is here, what's Vayikatz Yaakov? If Vayikatz Yaakov means he awoke, then what's Vayashkem Yaakov? Manishtana, what's the difference between Vayikatz Yaakov, that he awoke, and Vayashkem Yaakov? This is the difference. This is the lesson. Vayikatz Yaakov is not so. He woke up from this dream, from his, right? And he said, oh my goodness, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know it was such a holy place. I'm very scared. It's very holy. A lot of philosophy. It's holy and I'm scared and Hashem's here and it's the gate of Shemaim. He said a lot of philosophy. But he didn't do nothing. He woke up, but he didn't do anything. Ah, what happened the second time? If you look into the translation in the English, doesn't mean that he awoke. means he arose. What's the difference between awoke and arose? A rose means to get up. Ayashke means he got up. Action. Ah, what did he do? He got up. And he took a stone. He took an action. And he made it into a matzeva. The first one he woke up dreaming. I'm scared. I'm thinking. You know, my favorite, my favorite joke on, on philosophy. And, and I deal with this a lot. I meet people that think and think and talk and think. And I'm gonna and I should. And I don't know why I'm not. And, they just don't do anything in their whole life. 120 years they live. They did nothing, but they thought about everything. I wanted to be a rabbi. I wanted to be a balchesed. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be in Hatzala. I wanted to be a pilot. I wanted to be, I wanted to be, I wanted to be. And they die and they're nothing. They're an iPhone. That's it. Stay on. Right? So, Manishtan. And then there are people, don't think so much about things. They're a doer. Let's go. Don't think about it so much. Let's go. My favorite story is the horse. I think I told it to you a few weeks ago. My favorite story in the whole world is the horse. So, there's this guy who has a horse. It's a beautiful Arabian white horse. And he loves it. And he's very scared it's going to run away. 
So he builds a barn. And he puts the horse in the barn. Not enough. Builds a gate around the barn. Not enough. I need to get a guard to watch the horse. So he puts in the ad, looking for a guard, you know, minimum price, $5 an hour. A guy shows up and says, I have no money, I'll take the job. Fine. He puts him, he gets a chair, puts him by the gate outside the barn. Says, fine. Next morning, 10, 12 hours, the guy's a guard. Comes the next morning, he goes over to the guard and he says, you know, a whole night, you're sitting by yourself. Tell me, what were you thinking about? 12 hours. You don't have a radio, you don't have a newspaper. What were you thinking about? So, good evening, Ruth. Wow. Okay, I'm going to try to make it worth your while. I hope so. So, I was thinking like this. If you take a nail and you knock it into the wall, and you take the nail out, there's a hole. The displaced wood, right, is missing now, right? Where did it go? When you hit the nail, did it go to the sides of the hole? Or did you push the wood to the end of the hole? Don't know physics if it pushes it to the side or push it to the end. And I'm clearing, I'm thinking about this the whole night. The guy who hired him said, you know, I didn't just hire a guard here. This guy's a thinker. A hole, I don't know. I, I, wow, we have to check it out. Do we get a physics book? Wow. He was like, wow, you know what? I'm going to give you $10 an hour. You're brilliant. Okay. Next day, next morning, he comes back. He says, tell me, tell me, tell me. What were you thinking about last night? He says, thinking like this. You have a bagel. And then you eat the whole bagel. Where does the hole go? <laughs> does the air go into the rest of the air in the earth? Did you eat the hole? Is it in your stomach? Or, in the beginning, there really isn't a hole. The hole is if you take a piece of paper and you make a hole. But a bagel, you don't take a piece of bread and make a hole. You take the bread and you make a circle. So really, there was never a hole. This guy's like, oh my gosh, who did I hire? Like, the guy should be a professor. $15 an hour. He's like, this is amazing. Next morning he comes and he says, don't try to figure out the answer to that question, please. <laughs> so, so the next morning he comes. I can see all the girls are going to go to the bagel shop. They're going to eat it. Mm, where do you go? Knock a nail on the wall. What are you doing in, in your bedroom? Ah, Rebbe said, I got to check out where. Okay. Anyway, I, I do believe it's displaced to the sides for all those physics we want to know. I believe it's displaced to the side. Has to do with pressure, pressure going forward, pressure to the side. I'm not going to show off. Anyway, so so the next day he shows up in the morning, and the guy's sitting there. He's like, mm. he says, "Tell me, tell me, what did you think about last night?" He's like, "Godless, this guy's got." He says, "I'm thinking like this." He said, "I want you to know that the bagel and the and the nail is nothing compared to this question." Okay, what do you got? He says, "You have a man, and he has a horse, and he builds a barn, and he builds a gate." And he hires a watchman. And the horse is gone. I can't understand how it happened. He said, excuse me? He said, you built a barn, you put a gate, and you had a guard, and the horse is gone. What? My horse is gone? When did you realize this? Last night I went to check at 2 o'clock. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. Seven hours. You didn't run after my horse? He's like, listen. Until I can figure out how he got out, I can't look for him. Meshuggah, no. Meshuggah, you're laughing? 
So there are people that sit, God, how do you know there's a God? Where's God from? Where'd the Torah come from? Where'd Moshe come from? Where'd this one come from? And the thinning and the thinking and the thinking and the thinking and the thinking. <laughs> Meanwhile, the horse got away, their life got away, and they're 80 years old. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do anything until I can figure out life. You can't figure out life. It's not for us to figure out life. My most favorite story, because it's so true. It's like the philosopher walking... You can imagine walking in the street and he's showing off to all his Talmidim and he's showing him the stars and the moon and the different things. And as he's walking, he says, you know, that's the little dipper. His next step, boom, falls into a pit, to a huge hole. <laughs> and they're like, hey, philosopher, before you look up, look down, know where you're walking. You got people, they're busy in Shemayim, they're thinking all this stuff. They don't know where their feet are. Says the dream, the ladder is on the ground. The ladder is on the ground. Stop thinking about the ladder has to lean on Hashem, but it has to start somewhere. And what Yaakov Avinu was scared of, and what this whole dream was about, was as follows. Last week's parasha, it says, By Yehav, Yitzchak is Esav. Yitzchak loved Esav. We're going to talk about that tonight. I'm going to tell you a chidah that's a mind-blowing chidah. Yaakov, Yitzchak loved Esav, and... And Rivka loved Yaakov. Why? So we said that you always love the kid that's different than you. The kid that reminds you of yourself, you have big problems with that kid always. It's the kid that's different. You're an introvert, you like the kid that's the extrovert. You're an extrovert, you used to run around as a kid and make trouble. Now you have a kid that sits and learns and is quiet. You're like, ah, oh, that's my shayfla. And the one who's like, uh, her whole life was quiet and learning. And this kid's going out and dancing and music and this and that. And creative, it's like, wow. That's, how, that's what we're attracted in our children, we're attracted to the one that's not like us. So, so Yaakov, so Esav, Yitzchak was brought up. He was, he was, he was brought on, he was brought on, on his Bayach, and he wasn't allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael because he was a carbon. So he was, and he was, he was, he, he sat there and he was Gevura, and he learned, and he learned, and he learned, and he learned, and he had nothing to do with the outside world. He had nothing to do with the physical world. He was a carbon. He was holy. So along comes Esav. And Esau's coming home and saying, I went hunting, and I found this, and I found that. Do you have to make a brach on this? Do you have to give miso on hay? Do you have to do this with straw? It's just like, wow! He's bringing me a whole new world. He's out in the field. He's a hunter. This is exciting. I love him. Yaakov was just like Yitzchak. He's like, okay, sitting and learning. It's very important, but it's not exciting. It's not what I... Rivka came from that world. She was a shepherdess. She was out there. Lovin was out there. Sewell was out there. She came from a crazy, dysfunctional, out there family, right? She finally had someone in her life that sat quietly and learned. Her son, Yaakov, she loved the opposite of her. And the opposite of her, where she came from, was Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu was a learner. Ish, Tamim, Yeshiva, He sat all day in Yeshiva in Kailo. He left. He went to Shem Ve'ever to learn. He was coming straight from Yeshiva, now going into the world of Lavan, of Esav. So, he understood that there's another world, but he did not put the two together. In other words, the spiritual world is the spiritual world, and the physical world is the physical world. If you want to be spiritual, you go to Yeshiva Shem Ve'ever. If you want to be physical, you go out into the fields. There are two separate things. Because Baruch Hu taught him something very important. Because Baruch Hu said that the latter, that the reason that a person's in this world, the reason that we're here, that the latter is on the ground. That 
the, the objective is to take on the bottom of the ladder and on the top of the ladder and to make them one. Hashem didn't bring you all here to be just spiritual because then you couldn't, Neshama could have stayed in the other world. He brought you here because this is a physical world. You want to light candles to Shabbos? You got to have hands. You got to live in a, in a physical world. A, a man wants to put on tefillin, he has to live in a physical world. You want to, you want to make a brach, an apple, you take an apple, you make a bracha. So you take the apple and you make it spiritual. What Hashem taught him in this dream is that to be totally spiritual, I don't need you here. The, the, the ladder has to be on the ground. The human being has to live in the physical world. Rav Shimon Bayechai went into a cave. He didn't understand the physical world until he saw someone running on Shabbos with Besamim and he understood that Besamim, the whole story of Shimon Bayechai, he was with his son, they were in a cave, they came out of the cave, they saw somebody working in a field, they said, working in a field, instead of learning Torah, they looked at him and he burnt up, says the Gemara. They killed him. They killed him. You're in this world? And you're busy making money? Forget about it. They went back in. They said, you guys can't be out here. You're going to kill everyone. Went back into the cave. Learned, I think, another seven years or 14 years, whatever it was. Comes back. How many years? One year? Goes back in. Comes back out. There's a man running in the street. And in both hands, he has besamim, hadasim, for Shabbos. And everything is good. They don't burn him up, nothing. Why? Because saw that the physical world... Right? To have a summon, and you have, you have to pick them. That there's a connection between... Yaakov Avinu was very scared of this. Because it's very scary. Because when you go into the physical world, and you want to make that spiritual, there's no guarantee that it's not going to stay just physical. But that's the, that's the objective of a, of a Jew, is to take this physical world and turn it into a spiritual world. So now if you look at the Pasek, right... But he gets Yaakov Mishnah, so he wakes up and he says, I didn't realize that God is in this place. God is in the physical world. God is in the natural physical world. God is in an apple and an orange and, and all the different physical. God is, you go to the bathroom, you make an Asher Yotzar. God has to do with that also. This is an amazing place, earth. The world, the physical world. This is how you get into Shemayim. This is your avoid in this world. Your avoid in this world, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not other religions where the priest is not allowed to get married because that's unholy to be with a woman. Just the opposite. The most holy moment is Zivug. Just the opposite. The physical world has to be taken to a level where it's totally spiritual. The Jewish world, we eat. We sleep. It's a mitzvah to sleep. So that you have the energy to learn and to do mitzvahs. Sheena b'shabbos. Shabbos Sheena is learning. Sheena is also sleeping. There's a mitzvah to sleep. There's a mitzvah to eat. There's a mitzvah to eat correctly. There's a mitzvah to take care of your body. There's a mitzvah to exercise. So there's a connection. Hashem said, the sulam's not just in Shemayim. It's not a, a, a ladder that's in Shemayim. It's a ladder that connects Shemayim with Aras. And every one of us is that sulam. Every person in this room, you are the ladder. That Each one of us is the ladder. Our head is supposed to be Magia Shemaima, but our feet are on the earth. Each one of us is that ladder which can connect the physical world with the spiritual world. But if you're just in the physical world, then you miss the boat. You're not here just to be in the physical world. You're here to take the physical world and make it spiritual. You're not here just to be in the spiritual world. Spiritual world, you're dead. When you're totally in the spiritual world, you're not alive anymore. So a person in this world is the ladder. 
We are the ladder. Our head should be in Shemayim. It should be resting in Hashem. And our feet, the rest of our, right? And that's why, by the way, in Kabbalah, above your neck, in Kabbalah, is called Shemayim. Everything above your neck, all your senses above your neck, are called Shemayim. Why? Because all the senses above your neck, except for your mouth, which we'll talk about, that's called the bridge, take in. The highest part of your Shemayim, this is called Shemayim. The highest part of your Shemayim is your eyes. Your eyes take in. Then comes your ears. Your ears listen. Your eyes see. Your nose takes in, breathes in, right? Um, the mouth is the bridge. Because the mouth, the mouth takes in and gives out. It takes in food, but it gives out words. And the mouth is actually the opposite, where everything flips. Because Shemayim is, is spiritual. So your eyes are spiritual, your ears are spiritual, your nose is spiritual. It's the only thing that didn't sin by the Bissamim, right? By the, by the Eitz Hadas. So your Shemayim is spiritual. Your Shemayim takes in. But your mouth is the opposite. It, it takes in, should be spiritual, because everything that takes in is spiritual, but it's not. It takes in physical, and the words that come out are spiritual. So it flips. Underneath your shoulders, your body functions underneath your shoulders, give out. Stuff comes out of your body. The, your, your, above your head, stuff comes in. Below your shoulders, everything comes out. That's considered, in, in Kabbalah, that's considered aretz because the Pasuk says, Tat Sheha Aretz, the, uh, the land will give out. So below our shoulders, and that's why going to the bathroom is Tumah, Asheyotzah, that's not Shemayim, that's all aretz. That's why it's called all aretz. You blow your nose, you don't have to say an Asheyotzah. You blow your nose into a tissue, you don't have to wash your hands. You can blow your nose while you're learning, but you can't go to the bathroom while you're learning. Because your nose is still in Shemayim. Your nose is in the, in the, in the part of your body that's called Shemayim. You can blow your nose, you can sneeze all day long. You can learn, it's not Tomei. You don't have to make an Ashiyatza, right? You can take wax out of your ears, you can learn. All the stuff that comes out, tears, all the stuff that comes out of your, these things, right? It's not really part of your ear, but whatever. All these things, it's not a problem. You can't put your finger in your ear. But all these things that come out, they don't make you tummy because that's called Shemayim. Your mouth is the, is the switch. The, your mouth gives out spirituality and takes in physicality. And that's the bridge between here and the rest of your body. And that's why, by the way, an animal that Shech did, right, cannot, a person who, who you, if you cut their throat, right, you, you cut their neck, you cut their throat, they cannot live. Because what you're doing is you're severing their Shemayim Varats. And if Shemayim Varats are not working together, you cannot live. So that's why an animal, when you shecht it, you cut its windpipe and you cut its food pipe. And that separates the Shemayim and the Arats. And it talks a lot about, it talks about, um, Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim is Meitzar. Meitzar means narrow. The narrow part of your body is your neck. The most narrow part of your body between your head, that's also the bridge, right? And they were trying to, they were trying to shecht us. They were trying to destroy us. Okay, that's all Kabbalistic things. But Lemaisa, that's, that's the, 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 the above is, is your Shemayim. So, so, that your Shemayim and your Oretz can be connected. That was the message to, to Yaakov Avino. Now, there's a very big question. There's a fa- fascinating chidah. And when I said this a few years ago, I got a crazy amount of emails. In fact, I just said it somewhere else and everybody wanted to see it. It's a chidah. I would never say this if it wasn't written in the chidah. But there's a bomb question. And the question is as follows. When Hashem came to him in his, in his dream, 
Right? So Hashem said to him the following. Hashem was on the top of the ladder. he said, Hashem introduced himself to Yaakov. Right? We don't see anywhere else in the Torah that until this point that Hashem spoke to Yaakov. This is the first time that Hashem spoke to Yaakov. Hashem says, he introduces himself. I need Hashem. You know who I am? I'm Hashem. I am the God of Avraham, your father. Was Avraham his father? Was Avraham Yaakov's father? No. It was his grandfather. Okay, you could say grandfather like father, right? But then something happens. The passage goes on. Elokei Avraham Avicha. I am the God of, of Avraham, your forefather. And then he says, Elokei Yitzchak. I am the God of Yitzchak. And he doesn't call Yitzchak Yaakov's father. So this is not, this is not the Chumash talking. This is not Moshe Rabbeinu talking. Okay? This is Hashem talking to Yaakov for the first time. And he says, I am God. I am God of your father, Avraham. And I am God of Yitzchak. He doesn't call Yitzchak Yaakov's father. What's going on here? So the Chidos is the following. I said this Chidos, this is, this is a lesson to all parents and a lesson to all that want, all those who admit Hashem will be parents. He says the following. It's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable Chidon. That's why everyone wanted to see it. Elokei Avraham Avicha, Elokei Yitzchak. Tema, says the Chidon. I wonder, Shekarul Ziknei Aviv? He calls, Hashem calls Avram, the grandfather, his father, Ula Aviv, Loikaraav, and to his father, he doesn't call him his father? Nearly. The Chidos says, it appears to me, that Yaakov lived at the same time as Avram, that, that Yaakov was Isaac in Torah Mitzvahs, listen carefully to the Chidah, and Avraham loved him more than Esau because Avraham was a tzaddik and Yaakov was cooking in Torah Mitzvahs. This is, this is the Chidah. And I learned it wrong two years ago. I haven't have learned it wrong. I, I missed a teeny little point. Baruch Hashem, last night I saw my mistake. And because Avraham loved his grandson, Yaakov, so much, when he used to call Yaakov, he called him my son. So it wasn't he was like his son because he was good. No. He called him his son. Avraham called Yaakov his son. Why did he call his son? Because he was very close to him. He had a, big, a very big chiba. Bekach. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Karu Aviv. You called him Bini? Hashem said, then in my world, if that's how you treated him, even though you're not his blood father, in my world he's considered your son. Avol Yitzchak says the chidah. But Yitzchak Shahaya Ayhev Esav Harasha, Yitzchak who loved Esav Harasha, Yaisemim Enu, more than, than Yaakov, Loi Karu Hakashbarchu Aviv. Hashem said, You're not his father. You gave birth to him. You, you favored a child over the other child. 
I am not calling you the, the father of Yitzchak. It's a crazy chidah. You hear? Yitzchak lost the name father because he favored Esav, and Avraham got the name father because he called him Bini. Now, this chidah taught me something very fascinating. That when you name the person that you're angry at, and you identify them, you will not be able to be angry. I did this a year ago with a whole group of therapists. You have, a, you have your, your sons that will call him Ellie. My son Ellie. I don't have any sons, so I can call him Ellie, right? He comes home, he has a 50 on his report card. I'm like, Ellie, what's wrong with you? How could you do this? How could you get a 50? Try this. My son Ellie doesn't go. Can't yell. Once you identify the person that you're talking about before their name, you can't yell. Your wife, right? Chaya, you burnt the cake! My wife, Chaya! It doesn't come. You'll try it. It won't come out. It doesn't come out. Comes from this chida. Comes from this chida. If you call your son before, I'm, I'm sure he called him Yaakov, but he called him Bini Yaakov. He said, my son Yaakov, come here. When you call them with the word Bini first, they become your son. When you identify who you're, screaming, who you're talking to, at the same time, in the loving way. When you want to say something loving to your wife, right? You want to compliment her. And you say, my wife, I love you. Instead of, Khani, I love you. So my wife, Khani, I love you. You're, 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 it's more endearing. My son, my son Chaim, I'm so proud of you. Then Chaim, I'm so proud of you. If you tell your kid, right, he comes home with a hundred, and you're like, oh, my grandson, Yeshaya, comes home with a hundred. I'm like, my grandson, Yeshaya, ah, I don't even have any words. It's much better than my Yeshaya. It's nice, don't get me wrong. When you identify the person, it, 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 it either rips them away or brings them closer. And this is from a chidah. The chidah says, he called him Bini. He probably called him Bini Yaakov. And therefore Hashem said, you called him Bini, then, it's also, then I'm also calling him Bini. But he goes on. He goes on. Listen to this. And he says, he says, I have many reasons that Yaakov, that Avram was very close to, to Yaakov. And he says the following. He says, but I have a question. And the question is, Okay, he says that also Avram knew that Yaakov um, was engraved on the um, was engraved on the Kisa covenant of Hashem. So he had this Chiba Yisera, right? But he says the following. He called him Biniata, he called him his son. But he asked a question. There's another passage that says, by Yizmach's Vachim of Yitzchak. That Yaakov brought Karbanos, but he brought Karbanos, this, this is important for the kids, that he brought Karbanos to the God of his father Yitzchak. So you see that Yitzchak called his father. So the question is, when Hashem's describing Yitzchak, he doesn't call him Yaakov's father, right? But when the Torah tells us, that Yaakov brought Korbanos to the God of his father Yitzchak, why did he use the word father? And he says, it's also chidah. See, this is all psychology from hundreds of years ago. He says, be kind, we learn from here, he says, we see from here 
At the end of the day, even if your parents abuse you, even they don't give you the right attention and they yell at you, whatever it is, you don't have a right not to call your father your father. Hashem has a right to say, you didn't call your son. But you as a child, you as a child, no matter what happened to you, you cannot take the name father away. So when Yaakov brought Karbanos, he said, Avi Yitzchak. You, no matter what happened to you, he didn't like me, like the Ace of Moore, it doesn't make a difference. It's Avi Yitzchak. So, so from the Shemayim's point of view, if you don't call your child by that name, and you favor a child, you lose that being a father or a mother. But from the kid's point of view, no matter what you did to them, right? And he, Taka had a hard relationship. Doesn't matter. He calls him a Lukei Aviv. And he says, from here we learn, he says, from here we learn that a father comes before a grandfather when it comes to Kibbut of Aim. And the big question that everybody asks is, one second. If my father has to listen to my grandfather, father has to listen to my grandfather, and I have to listen to my father. I surely have to listen to my grandfather. So if my father said, go to the store, and my grandfather said, don't go to the store, what's the halacha? Who do you listen to? It's to your father. But it doesn't make sense. My father has to listen to my grandfather. So surely, if he tells me something, my grandfather tells me something, surely I have to listen to my grandfather. Do you understand what I'm saying? Again. My father tells me, go to the store. My grandfather says, don't go to the store. Right? I listen to my father. And I go to the store. But my grandfather, my father has to listen to my father. So if my, if my grandfather told my father, you can't let him go to the store, I can't go to the store. Because my father has given a name to his father. So surely if my father says to his father, I have to listen to my grandfather before my father. It's called the Kalvachimer. The answer is amazing. So why not? You don't have, you, the kibbutz of end goes to your mother and father before your grandparents. If you can only save one, you only, you save your parent, not your grandparent. Why? Hakar Satoiv. Hakar Satoiv, the reason we have kibbutz of is appreciation. Your father and mother brought you into the world. You're right, your grandfather brought your father into the world, and if he didn't do it, you wouldn't be here. But the bottom line is, who brought you into the world? Your father? Your Akarsa type to your father is more than your Akarsa type to your grandfather. So if Kibbutz of Aim is, is because of Akarsa type, so even though my grandfather said, don't go to the store, my father said, go to the store, I have to show gratitude to my father before I show gratitude to my grandfather. My father, in turn, has to show gratitude to his father. So his relationship with his father, he has Kibbutz of Aim, has nothing to do with my relationship. I have to give my grandfather cover because I'm his grandson. But the bottom line is my Hakarsa Tov goes to my parents before anybody else in the world, I mean, except Hashem. So therefore, the Kavachayim, doesn't work. That's why it doesn't work. Okay. One more Chidah. One more Chidah. Okay, we're all happy what's going on over here? All right. So the Chidah is like this. This is a big one. You go home and you ask this question. You will blow them away. Actually, you won't blow them away because it's a Rashi, but what, what the Rashi is really saying is, it, so he says the following. So we all understand about, also about waking up, right? Waking up by Yikat Yaakov Mishnaso and by Yashkem, the different. Think, 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 think. I spoke, I spoke at a, at the Agurah convention this week about, um, stepping up and being, and, 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 and working with the cloud and doing things, whatever it is. How many people think, oh, you spoke so well, you spoke so well. 
I challenge in three months to find out how many people ended up changing their lives because of it. So you're thinking, you're thinking, you're talking, you're talking, you're talking, and you woke up by Yikats, but but there's no Vayashkim. You've got to have a Vayashkim. Anyway, at the end of the parasha, at the end of the parasha, it says the following. All the way at the end, so he's fighting with Lavan, and Lavan's like Trump. Lavan says... Your children are mine. Your money is mine. I made you. I did everything. Lavan was the opposite of, of Yaakov. He was totally That's Lavan. Lavan is everything in this world because I'm smart, because I'm a good businessman, because I am who I am. So what does he say? Right? Yaakov says to him, I worked. I ate ice at night. I didn't sleep. I killed myself. Right? He Yaakov. Habanois Bonosai, not Hashem gave him anything. Your daughters, my daughters. Habanim, your children, Banai. They're my sons. Hatzon, your sheep, Tony, they're all mine. The Cholashita royally, and everything you see here, right? It's all mine. Lihu, it's all mine. You don't have nothing. Everything's me. That was him. Okay. So, he, he wants to make peace with Yaakov because Hashem scared Lovan in a dream. He actually came to kill Yaakov. But Hashem scared him in a dream. So it says the following. And Yaakov took a stone and he made a, he raised it up to, to a monument. But he really wanted to make more than that. He wanted to make like a mound of stones. You can look it up, it's Pusik Memvav. And Yaakov said to his brothers, Let's gather stones. They took the stones, they made a mound, and they ate on the mound. Okay? Let's say this Pasuk. You tell me what's wrong with this Pasuk. You ready? And Yaakov told his brothers, to collect and they took stones. What is, what is wrong with that Pasuk, everyone? Let's go. You're all awake. Wake up. Dream's over. Yalla, no. You came to learn tonight. You're not going to go to sleep. What's wrong with that Pasuk? There's something very wrong with this Pasuk. What did the Pusik say? He has one brother. And that brother's not here. Esau's not here. What's this business? Yaakov said to his brothers, gather stones. Yaakov doesn't have brothers. He has one Esau. And Esau's not here. Esau's not my love one. Next week's Pasha. You have to send for him. He's far away. Who are these brothers? Doesn't have brothers. Says Rashi. Says Rashi. He has the same problem we have, right? You all know, says Rashi, something unbelievable. Why would Yaakov call his children, his sons, brothers? So he says the following. Pasik Memvav. Le'echav. Heimbanov. They were his sons. Shehoyulu Achim. They were brothers to their father. To protect him and go to war for him. He called them his brothers because they were there for him. So they were more than just his sons. He said, you guys, you're not just my sons. You're my brothers. Very nice. Hard to understand. So call them your sons. Why are you calling me your brothers? Chidah. The last Chidah in the parsha says the following. I'm speaking about this Matzah Shabbos Mitzvah. 
His brothers are his brothers. His brothers were his sons. Shalhayilu achim negoshim l'tzara because they were with him in pain. They were there to protect him. Lamdeinu we learn. This is a, this is even bigger mind blower than the last one. We learn she Yaakov avinu alav shalom. Hayamachshiv is ban of keechav that Yaakov avinu considered his sons machshiv. They were as important to him like brothers. The chain and therefore he gives us advice. In bringing up our children. And he gives us a haftacha. That's a promise. The chen. Roi, it is proper. La'av, for a father. Shiyachshav banav gedailim. That he should think of his children that are over 13 that are gedailim. Ki'iluhem echav. Like they were his brothers, not his children. Uvezeh, if he treats them like a brother. And he acts to them like a brother. And that's how he thinks about them. I guarantee you, he says, They will be beautiful and they will be relaxed. They will not be uptight. If that's how you bring up your children, you will have beautiful, relaxed, not tense, not uptight children. It says, How good and how beautiful when brothers sit together. Says the Chidah, If you take the word Achim Gam, how much does that equal in Gematria? So Aleph is 1, Ches is 9, Yud is 10, and Mem is 40. So you have 59, the word Achim equals 59, right? Mem is 10, 40, Yud is 10, Ches is 8, and Aleph is 1. So that's 59. Gam equals 43. What's 59 and 43? Anybody know? How much? Come on. You all sleeping? 59 and 43 is 102 all day. Ay, 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 ay. Take out your thermometers. 102. Okay. Now let's take a look. I'm sorry, 92? I'm mistaken. It's 102. Right, right, I'm sorry, it's 102. The gematria, so the gematria of Achim Gam, right, is the gematria of Bonim. Achim Gam, my brother, is also are the same gematria as banim. Bay is nun yud mem. Nun is 50, yud is, is 10 is 60, mem is 40 is 100, and bay is 102. The chidot says, if you want to have kids, that shevas, achim gam yochad, then you have to treat them like achim, like Yaakov Avinu, if they're there for you. You have to remember that they were there for them. So we learned very, two very, very, very important points. The... Medjish Rabbah this week, this is not for any, I'm talking to myself, I'm not giving anyone in this room Musr, okay, I'm prefixing this by saying I'm not giving anyone Musr, we're going to end with a little Medrash, and the Medrash says the following, he tells us a story, he says that in this whole dream business, right, um, Hashem showed him the, the Sar, the angel, the ministering angel of Bavel, right, what's Bavel, um, that's Iraq, Right? So the Iraq, all over the area, he went up, and you know what just happened to Iraq, they went down. Then he showed him Shalmadai, which is Persia, which is Iran. All over the area, he saw them, he saw the Malach, the, the ministering angel go up the ladder, and then he got thrown off. We showed Yavon, then he saw the Greek Empire go up, and came down. Shal Edom, all over the area, he saw Rome go up, and come down. Hashem said to Yaakov in the dream, Madua, 
get on the ladder. Persia's on the ladder. Iraq's on the ladder. All the empires are on the ladder. The Jews got to get on the ladder too. So get on the ladder. Well, he's a show. Avinu Yaakov Omar. Maybe that's when he said Vayira Yaakov. He was scared. Yaakov got scared. And he said Kishem Yurida. Just like all these guys went up, but they all came down. Kachani Are you going to throw me down too? You're going to take me all the way up just to drop me? I promise you, if you go up the ladder, I won't allow you to fall. Says the, says the Medrash, He didn't believe, he didn't believe, and he didn't go up. Hashem said to him, you don't want to get on the ladder, you're not getting on the ladder, you don't believe me? Had you gone onto the ladder and you would have trusted me? You would have never fallen. Since you didn't listen to me, now the four guys that went up before you, you're going to end up being under them. Bavel, Madai, Yavan, and Edom. Had he gone up, this wouldn't have happened. So there's many before why he didn't go up. There's a reason why he didn't go up, because Hashem told him to go up, he didn't listen, he didn't go up. But Lamaisa, the bottom line was, he felt to go up, to climb up, just to get thrown down, it's just not worth it. And I think a lot of people, no one in this room, I think a lot of people don't grow and, and, and don't try to, to better themselves because they believe, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. So many times I relapsed. I went on this diet, I went on that diet. I, try, I said, I'm going to say Kriyashma. I said, I'm not going to talk Lashon Hara. I don't want to keep climbing this ladder and keep falling down. And the answer is that that's why Hashem was angry at Yaakov because growth in a human being only comes through falling down. It only comes through falling down. Yaakov was scared. You can take me all the way up and I'm going to fall down? Yes, that's what makes, that's what makes the human being. And the people who are scared to take chances don't get anywhere. You have to be willing, you have to be willing to fail. I don't like to, you know, to quote Goyim, but I was a big hockey guy and, and, and uh, the Edmonton Oilers had this guy Gretzky, very famous. And uh, Gretzky was the highest scoring, I think, hockey player ever. And they asked him, what's the basis of your, of your success? Wayne Gretzky, if you want to, if you don't know who he is, then you don't have a, you're not from a family of sports. Everyone in hockey, anyone who knows anything about sports knows about Wayne Gretzky. He was the greatest, probably the greatest hockey player in, in my day, at least. So they asked him, you're the highest scorer. He's a skinny guy. He's a skinny guy. You're the highest score. What, 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 what about you? What? Like, why you? What, what makes you special? He said, I learned a long thing. Oh, he said, I learned something a long time ago. He said, I learned that you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you didn't take. It's godless. It's godless. You don't take the chance. It can't go in. So I kept shooting, kept shooting, kept shooting. A couple of them went in. Couple more went in. But if you don't shoot, if you're scared to shoot, you pass the puck because you're like scared to shoot, you're never going to get a goal. You miss 100% of the chances you don't take. You miss 100% of the chances you don't take. If you take 100 chances, you might get one. It's worth it. The way Hashem created us, I saw a horse being born in a kibbutz. They told me there's a horse giving birth. I ran to see it. And I saw this horse. It's unbelievable. I watched this horse being born. Ten seconds after it was born, it was standing and walking around the store. A little teeny horse. How long does it take us to walk? 
How long does it take us to walk? We get so excited. Oh my God, the baby turned over. Your cat's sitting there like, you're excited about that? I turned over like one second after I was born. Like, you human beings are so, so backed up. Like what, that's what you're excited about. And you know, how does one, any mothers know that? How does one know the first time your baby turns over, it falls off the bed? Always it falls off the bed because until then it's like, oh, you can leave the baby on the bed, he can't turn over. And all of a sudden it's like, thud! The baby can turn over. And then what happens? The baby turns over, then the baby crawls. First they don't crawl, they just go back and forth, they rock. Baby's rocking, the baby's rocking. Oh, a party, pictures, mice, zachen. Then the baby's crawling. Oh my goodness, the baby's crawling. Everyone's going crazy. The cat's like, I just don't get you guys. I'm crawling from the first second I was born. Like, what's so special? Right? And then he starts to take, he stands up and he holds onto the furniture and he falls and he gets stitches in his little chin and he gets stitches above the little eye and he falls and he falls and finally he takes his first step and everyone's going crazy. Mommy, 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 you're not going to believe it. Chaim took his first step and the cat's like, what is wrong with them? I took my first step a second after I'm born. The horse took his first step a second. We're humans. We're above them. We're medaba. They're chai. Why does Hashem create us that way? If a horse and a cow and a monkey and a guppy, a silly little guppy, gets born and he starts swimming right away, he doesn't float. He doesn't learn how to float. We as human beings, we don't teach our kids to swim right away. We should teach them how to float. Right? And after they teach them how to float and they drank half the pool, right, till you get them to swim, lessons. 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 The guppy is born, a stupid little fish, has no brains, and he don't float. He's swimming the minute he's born. We are so backwards. We are so on the bottom. Mosquitoes are born, they fly. They don't start, like, crawling, right? Everything when it's born, it's ready to do what it does. Forget about walking. How about talking? I remember when my kids said their first word. It's like, I had to call my mother and my father and my in-laws, everybody. She said, Ma! Wow. Right? I lived in Muncie. So we always had these birds' nests. The minute the egg cracks, the little bird starts chirping. It doesn't wait like six months or a year to start chirping. It chirps right away. It talks right away. Opens its mouth and it's chirping. We need to get our kid to chirp. Then you should say, Mommy, right? They're chirping Mommy. What do they think they're chirping? I'm hungry Mommy. It takes us a year to get the talk, and sometimes two years, and sometimes a speed therapist, and OT, and a couple of other things, because the kid doesn't talk. And this little bird has come out of an egg, and he can talk. What is Hashem teaching us? Why do human beings, we don't have teeth. We need to eat, we're born without teeth. So we have to, we have to teeth. We don't talk, we don't walk, we don't, we don't, we don't know how to communicate as a kid, right? We drool, we can't eat solid foods. Animals eat right away. They eat right away, they nurse right away, they eat right away. We're so behind. And the answer is because a human being's growth has to come through struggle. An animal doesn't have growth. So an animal doesn't struggle. It walks right away. It talks right away. It does everything right away. But a human being has to struggle because that's who we are. That's what makes us a person. So you're born without teeth and you cannot talk and you cannot walk and most of us cannot see. We just see shadows when we're born. Right? The only thing you can do when you're born is that you can hear. But you can't do anything else. And the reason that is because each thing that we do, yes, you have to have ingrained in your DNA to fall and to fall and to fall 
until you finally can walk. And anyone who ever taught a sister or a daughter how to ride a bicycle, it's terrible. I taught my grandchildren how to ride a bicycle. And you hold that bicycle, and you hold that bicycle, and you know when you let go, and she's like, let go, let go, let go, Zadie, let go. You know when you let go that she's going to have two bloody knees. It's just going to happen the first time. And you let go, and she pedals twice, and bang. If it's one knee, you did well. And they're like, I'm not doing this again. And then you push them to do it again. And this time you let go, and they pedal four times. And the next time they pedal eight times, and then all of a sudden, they're pedaling, and they're free. And they're like, look, Zadie, I know how to ride. Yes, that's what Hashem wants. If you would have let her ride right away, there's not look, Zadie, not ride. <laughs> I was born like this, I ride. Look, Zadie, know how to ride. Look, Tate, I know how to walk. It's all growth. Because Baruch said, Yaakov, get on the lander. You're going to fall. Your knees are going to bleed. Your elbows are going to bleed. You're going to bang your head. You're going to fall. That's growth. That's how a human being grows. Don't be scared to fall. Failure is not to fall, said a very wise man named Abraham Lincoln. Failure is not to fall. Failure is not to get up. Falling, everybody falls. The failure is when you decide to sit down on the floor and not get up. And that's a very, there were so many lessons in this week's Pasha. And that was a lesson to, to Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu said, I don't want to go up and fall down like all of them. Because, you know, it's, it's the famous Machlekes, which I had many years ago. Is it better to love and to have loved and lost, or to have never loved at all? It's a big Machlekes in psychology. In other words, if you love and then you lose, there's pain. I loved something and I lost it. So it's painful. If I never loved it, I don't have that pain. But I also never, don't have that feeling. So what's the deal? And I claimed, and still claim, that anyone who has loved will answer, it is better to have loved than lost. And anyone who has never loved will answer, who needs it? Who needs to climb on the ladder? What do I need the pain for? That's the difference in the Machlechus. I told everyone, I said, it depends on where you are in life. Because at the end of the day, we lose, we find, we fall, we climb. That is what life is all about. But if you don't take the shot and you don't take the chance, you're not going to be able to do anything. And that's what we need to do. There are those that wake up Mishnasa, they wake up from their dream, and they're like, yeah, this place is holy, yeah, I should do this, I should do that. They don't do anything. And then there are those like Yaakov, by Yashkem, says Rashi got up early. He saw he knew he had to go back to Davin. He didn't wait till the next morning. He went back that night. He didn't say, I'm going to go tomorrow morning. He took action. And he's Taka the father that brought Kleistra. I mean, he's the one who had the Shvatim. They will be Zeichet to see Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, Bimheira, Yitzchir Samesim, with the coming of Mashiach. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.